0: I uh, can't recommend them enough. Christine and her team have been fantastic. So I definitely recommend you check out Haven Financial Services at haven. Let's get back to the show.
1: Investors, have you ever felt frustrated by your loan servicer, experienced challenging communication, or the headache of tracking taxes and insurance? Meet BiFi, a loan servicing company founded by investors for investors. With an expert team and best-in-class vendors, BiFi will partner with you to service your loan from start to exit. Visit BiFiLS.com to see how you can get started today. That's B-I-F-I-L-S dot com.
0: Wow, this one is awesome. You're going to love it. I just chatted with Paul Aragon. Paul was, his story is, is somewhat similar to Mark Owen's story from episode one, which is... Truthfully, what was the impetus uh, for me starting this podcast? So, if you haven't heard that one, I definitely recommend you you check that one out. Uh, but Paul grew up in a broken home with not good role models, and had abandonment issues and identity issues and things like that. Got into drugs, selling drugs. Was at one point making forty to eighty thousand dollars per week uh, per week uh, selling drugs. Eventually got arrested long, you know, uh, many, many ups and downs within, uh, the legal system and that kind of thing, turned his life around in prison and absolutely did a 180 and is now running a multimillion dollar roofing company in Colorado and is a financial coach, um, has paid off all kinds of personal debt and is, uh, just making it an incredible Positive impact in the world. There's So many cool, cool nuggets within this one. You're going to love it. He um, turned his life around by uh, accepting Jesus into his life, and then kind of started with the internal changes, and and now it's clearly making an impact going forward. For so for the the small business owner, and for those who have had struggles uh, financially, or through the legal system, or uh, even you know. With relationships, this one is for you. Um, if you've had personal debt, you know he's. The, you, you definitely want to listen to this one. So, I thoroughly enjoyed this one. It, we went slightly long, but that's because I just really enjoyed the conversation, and I knew that his story would impact people in a positive way. So, enjoy.
1: Inspiring stories of real people overcoming incredible odds to live life to the fullest. We are all guaranteed to face hardships. How will we handle the adversity? Join us to be moved by everyday people who have turned poverty into prosperity and weakness into wealth. Be inspired as these relatable heroes get vulnerable. And former counterintelligence investigator, Jamie Bateman, puts his interviewing skills to the test. Restore your faith in humanity as you experience true Cinderella stories of average people, turning surreal struggle and deep despair into booming businesses and financial fortune. Take ownership of the life you are destined to live and turn your adversity into abundance.
0: All right, here's the deal you work hard for your money. Isn't it about time you put your money to work for you? If you are an accredited investor, check out LabradorLending.com. Our integrity income fund provides monthly cash flow from an investment backed by hard physical real estate. Our income fund, which is uncorrelated to publicly traded stocks and bonds, invests in first lien mortgage notes, diversified by geography, property value, and borrower type. So you're not investing in one project, you're investing in a diversified portfolio of first lien mortgage notes. Our integrity income fund aims to pay its investors monthly distributions At a preferred rate of return of 8% annually. Possibly the best part, though, the fund showcases a short 12-month commitment, so you can invest your capital today and have access to that capital in one year. Check it out today, labradorlending.com. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the From Adversity to Abundance podcast. I'm your host, Jamie Bateman, and today I'm joined by Paul Aragon of Gyra 7 Roofing. Uh, Paul, how are you doing today?
2: Great, Jamie. Thanks for having me on.
0: Absolutely. Um, for the listener out there, normally I don't do this, but I, I, uh, I'm going to read a very short description uh, found in a book, uh, the chapter that you wrote in this book called uh, Bringing Value, Solving Problems, and Leaving a Legacy. Um, so... Paul Aragon overcame the odds and now runs a multi-million dollar award-winning company that he started from nothing. Paul started his construction career once he earned his GED, religious religious education degrees, and a degree in machine technology while incarcerated. Paul is a man of integrity, striving for excellence and to make a difference in the lives of everyone he meets. Um, so I think that's um, a great uh, kind of... You know, segue or, or at least some context as to who you are today. But I'm sure you can add a little bit more context for our listeners. So, who who are you, and what are you up to today, Paul?
2: Well, my name is Paul Aragon. I'm 39 years old. Uh, I grew up in the Denver, Commerce City area. Um, but who I am today, I'm running a multi-million dollar roofing company that we started from nothing. Um, you know, and I didn't have the business experience to start my company, but I learned through working for other companies in that time, I always wanted to start my own company and bring value to the marketplace and make a difference. So today, that's what we're trying to do is make an impact in our community, mentoring other entrepreneurs, um, coaching them, coaching other couples financially. And just trying to reach out and really use everything that uh, we feel God has given us to be a blessing to people.
0: Awesome. Yeah, I definitely want to dive into the the mentoring and coaching and the personal finance side of things for sure um, later, because I think that's a much needed uh, service that you're providing. Um, so, okay, so let's jump back. I mean, the, the show is called uh, From Adversity to Abundance. So the listener knows that we're going to be discussing some adversity that you personally have been through. And like I said, uh, before we hit record, normally this adversity falls into, you know, financial or health-related challenges or relationship uh, struggles or possibly even, you know, legal difficulties. Uh, and my guess is you've dealt on some level with all four of those things. Uh, yes. yeah. <laughs> so, we have, yeah. So tell me, where, where do we, where do we start? What, uh, where do you want to pick things up, uh, from your history?
2: Well, well I think, I mean, it's best to start at the beginning, right? You, you don't read a book, um, from end to mm-hmm. beginning, but you start at the beginning and sure. I grew up in a broken home. Both parents were alcoholics. My dad was a womanizer. Um, my mom was looking for love in all the wrong places. I have seen her abused by many different men. Um, drunk all the time, I would get dumped off at abandonment issues. So there's the relationship part there. Mm -hmm. Um, So early on, I had a rough beginning. And I started looking for acceptance as a kid, in the wrong places, didn't have a father figure to really show me how to be a man, I was raised by a single mom, she didn't want me around my dad for the reasons um, that I listed before, you know, drinking and he was womanizing. So, He always had money, had his own home, but he was always plastered. And my mom was like, I don't want you around that. I'm like, well, you're drinking too. So what is that? It doesn't make Mm -hmm. a difference. Mm -hmm. So started off there and that led into relationships and me looking to gangs, drug dealing, Mm -hmm. you name it. I was getting in the mix at a very early age, probably 10, 11, between 10 and 12 years old. I was already doing some of the things that probably most people don't do until they're you know, older teens or adults sometimes. So,
3: mm-hmm.
2: uh, you know, it, it affected my relationships growing from there into my teenage years. I started doing the same thing my dad did, uh, womanizing, was drinking, partying, um, mm-hmm. and I dropped out of school in ninth grade because I was chasing mm-hmm. money. I was, making, I was making good money. By the time I was 16, I think we were making almost 80 grand profit a week. <laughs> so
0: this was we selling, were, selling drugs. Yes.
2: So wow. went for marijuana. It started, you know, as a gateway yeah. and then went on to other things. And by the time I was sixteen, I was carrying around duffel bags full of, you know, drugs, cocaine, marijuana, you name it.
0: So just curious, you know, how how much of it was were you doing how you know, how much of this were you participating in as far as doing drugs versus no, I'm gonna be sober and be a drug drug dealer?
2: Well, it started off we were just smoking pot. I mean, we Mm -hmm. would just, you know, smoke and drink. And then we started getting into the bars and I wasn't old enough to drink, but -hmm. they were letting us in the bar because I was keeping people in the bar drinking all day and all night because of what I was Mm -hmm. selling them with the cocaine. Mm -hmm. So we started dabbling, um, started doing a line here and there when we would drink and then it became like a party thing. So anytime we were partying and I was the party favorite person, we would, we would start doing some of that and dabbling Mm -hmm. you know i wouldn't get as bad as the people that i was selling to but Mm -hmm. i would do it to maintain my level of sobriety to where it wouldn't keep me intoxicated Mm -hmm. with the alcohol it would level me out to keep me going Mm -hmm. and that's pretty much what i used it for is to just stay up Mm -hmm. um to keep making money and to level me out with the alcohol
0: Mm -hmm. and i imagine it could be wrong but i imagine it helps make it make a deal if you're you know if you're also a client if you will yep. Yep.
3: um
0: you know but um so i think you said 80k per week uh yes. in profit that's yep. that's astounding number i mean that's that's a lot of money so um personally just you know how much money were you personally taking home at the height of the you know your drug dealing days
2: wow i mean we were I had guys coming from Iowa for shipments. And then we had four bars in our community that I had guys selling at. And then I had one myself that I would sit at. So we made um ten grand profit off the guys and they would come two or three times a week. Um and that would be after I paid, you know, the other dealer or whatever for the for the product. And then I would sell it and make my my cut off of it. So we would make probably about I would say at least forty grand of that would, would be ours of that eighty. Um and, you know, breaking down whatever we broke down, I would quadruple my money on that stuff because we were breaking it down into smaller quantities and selling it uh for much more. You know, when people buy bulk, you can't really do that. But uh it, it was crazy, man, because we were I was young. Now that I look back at it, I'm like, what was I doing? Where was everybody at when I was doing this? Um uh, right, we weren't right. even 21 years old and we were drinking at the bar like adults. Right. And you knew we were young because we looked super young. Sure. Um, but they I mean, we never got caught there. And mm. it was just crazy.
0: Yeah. No, that makes more sense now as far as that your ability to. I mean, I know you said you didn't have any business experience, but the reality is that you were starting that was. You know, from that was business experience and learning how to scale and um. So, okay, so you mentioned being, I think, about 20 years old. So um, pick it up from there. What happened at that point?
2: So, if you know, from 16 to 20, we were really just having at it. And then once I started getting at the drinking age, um, I started developing a lot of enemies. And I had met a girl at 19 at the rec center working out go figure i was still trying to work out at this time um doing all these things and putting all these toxins in my body and poison um still working out met this girl fell in love with her we hit it off i didn't realize she was a bit younger than me she was upstairs working out the rec center meet her start selling to her family um the marijuana we we start dating real seriously time goes on I find out she had a boyfriend, almost getting in fights and getting stabbed and all kinds of nonsense. Wow. Well, fast forward 22, um, people start telling on me. They start calling the cops. I start getting followed. Um, things start coming to a close really quick. So at age 22, I found myself arrested. Um, I had had pre- previous arrests with uh, as a juvenile with possession and consumption of alcohol by a minor in possession of marijuana. Um, got caught driving under the age while drinking, uh, lost mm-hmm. my license. So this all led up to this other big circumstance where we had a domestic violence because I was drunk. Mm-hmm. Um, her family had called the police on me because of the domestic violence and then told them I was selling drugs. Mm-hmm. And they hated me after all of that. So I got arrested. Uh, the cops went into my house um i was running my base uh, the basement of my uncle's home and uh they searched my room i had took everything out except for i left you know residue and stuff like that in a safe that i had there um they found stuff in the trash where they could tell i was manufacturing something oh. um you know baggies with corners ripped out of them
0: so mentally before we before you kind of i think we're getting Maybe close to the to the well, no, but just close to the rock bottom, or or moving in that direction. Yeah. But before we get there, so what's going? What's your driving force? I know you said acceptance um, right. and things like that, but mentally, kind of, what are you striving for? Is it just is it just a party? What's your end goal with with all this? Is there even an end goal?
2: Well, and and to me, I thought, man. I'm, I'm going to be rich. I'm going to, sure. you know, I'm going to be like a kingpin and people are going to do what I tell them. We're going to run the city and mm-hmm. we're going to start connecting to the surrounding cities. And then we already got stuff going to the state, uh, another state. We were got, had stuff going to Iowa. They were driving out.
0: Um, so wealth and, and power um, and I guess
2: freedom. I, ca- I kind of wanted to prove to my parents. well, see. I didn't need you guys anyways. Look mm-hmm. at me, you know, mm-hmm. I'm on top of the world and i was the life of the party i had money i had girls it was just a you know the acceptance thing of of becoming
0: like identity essentially i think the the main thing that's probably it yeah i mean not not trying to psychoanalyze and you know (laughs) play therapist or anything like that but i that seems like that's that's what it really boils down to is your identity and you're building adding to that identity and um, you know, you have a you have a purpose, right? Um, yep. with all this too. So, okay, so you get arrested at age twenty two, and things start to come crashing down. Is that fair to say? Yes, uh, very
2: quickly. Uh, friends, I had got out on bond. I had a hundred thousand dollar bond. Um, finally, I sat in there for a little while. I think it was a week, and I had another hearing for a bond reduction because we had put in for it, and they accepted it. And they dropped my bond down to $10,000. So the cops had confiscated uh, about 5,200 cash currency from me, from that safe. Um, They released it to my dad. My dad used that while my aunt had paid. And then my dad used that to pay my aunt back to get me to bond out. Well, what do I do? As the dog returns to its vomit, so the fool repeats his folly. So (laughs) Mm -hmm. I go right back to it. And they have the North Metro task force following me, um, monitoring my home. I'm getting even worse. So I start using the drug even more and getting Mm. drunk even sooner. Um, Mm
3: -hmm.
2: And I was just waking up just with the shakes and I had to have a bottle of Mm. alcohol and I just got really careless. And to the point where it's like, I don't care, Um, I'm untouchable. They're not going to mess with me. I'm going to do what I want. Mm-hmm. And I got arrested again. Uh, friends had told on me that we were at the bar one night, and I was leaving to to go pick up some girls for a for party that we were holding. And um, they had already had a dog and everything had been told on me. Mm-hmm. So I got arrested again out on bond, which aggravated my charges. And then and there, that's when things really just came to a halt. And that was rock bottom because I was back in jail and they aggravated my charges. I was facing 25 to life. Um, They were trying to pin the RICO act on me because people started telling on us. Um, And so everybody, you know, in the street terms, they call it snitching. So Mm -hmm. everybody starts telling and snitching and everybody's pointing the finger at me. Um, So they're like, well, this time we caught you with the drugs this time. They caught me driving that night drunk with the drugs from the bar um so they had that on me and then all the previous stuff in my juvenile record they were trying to hold against me up until this time so it really wasn't looking good um
0: mm-hmm. so a lot so, of the things you you had had you not messed up the second time the, the you, you know the uh first round of charges if you will wouldn't have maybe turned out so so bad um uh, yeah. but now the the legal system says we're going to double down and and this is it is that is that what happened? Yep. They it's so, essentially
2: exactly what happened.
0: Okay. So second arrest. Um what what happened after that?
2: The the district attorney, I was in jail. The district attorney uh said, Well, this kid has no regard for law. This young man doesn't not mm-hmm. care. Obviously, you could tell he keeps getting in trouble. He's he's right. out on bond, got another case. And so they said there's no deal on the table for him. Um mm-hmm. where we're, we're not accepting this. So I asked for a continuance, drug it along. I was still kind of dabbling in jail. Uh, we were dabbling. Mm. Uh, we were making people cheek their medicine and we were crushing it up, making jailhouse coke hmm. and selling it. Wow. And we were, I mean, people were bringing stuff in. We had cigarettes. We. I mean, it was crazy. Um, and I was still in the mix with the gang affiliation. Um, because Mm -hmm. of my sister's boyfriends from the childhood and all that, so I kind of got acquainted and sucked into that along this whole Mm -hmm. thing. And
0: And finally, is there there pressure there to stay in? I guess uh, uh,
2: there was for me just because of who who we knew. Um, Mm -hmm. And then they looked to me because of who I knew. Um, The guys I knew were. Very high-ranking guys. Um, mm-hmm. They would go to California for a roll call and stuff like that. Like it was super mm-hmm. crazy, and they ran the wow. whole state of Colorado for wow. this particular gang. And I was scared. I mean, it's pressure. It's it's scary because sure. you fear. Well, they're either going to kill you or beat you down so bad where they you know paralyze you, put you in the hospital to get out. Right and. I
0: was fearful of that I, I, yeah, very, I, was. I understandably so and i appreciate you being so vulnerable and talking about it i'm sure even after all these years it's not fun to talk about um <laughs> so 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 kind of fast forward for us if you would or or you know if there were any uh, big moments in while you were incarcerated talk about how things changed going forward
2: yeah, so I was uh sailed up with a guy that was doing all this and he was from a totally different gang, but we got along. Um and we pretty much ran the unit. Well, one day I just like, man, this this isn't for me. I went back to court and they're like, Look, if unless you take this to trial and fight it, there's still no deal on the table for you. And I said, Well, I need a continuance, I need to pray, I need to get to the law library, I need to look some stuff up. And I went back and went back to the, the the unit and was crying. You know, I went to my cell and I just kind of broke down. I said, "Man, this this can't be happening to me. I don't want to spend the rest of my life in jail or prison."
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And what am I doing? And my sally came in and he's like, "What's going on with you? Like, why are you why why are you acting like you know, calling me a sissy?" And add mm-hmm. other words, like a, like um, a wuss. Yes, yeah, <laughs> he had other words though.
3: Yeah, yeah.
2: Uh, Cursing at me and everything. And I said, look, man, I just, I can't sell up with you anymore. I got to move. I I don't want this. I got to, I got to start doing right. And he's like, man, what's gotten into you? Oh man, jailhouse religion. And he right Mm -hmm. away, he started in Mm -hmm. and I had started attending church here and there. Mm -hmm. Well, I get a letter from my mom and everybody had quit contacting me or quit answering the phone when I tried to call. Mm They're like, you got yourself in there going to stay in there so nobody wanted anything to do with me um my girlfriend and i had got her pregnant she's now my wife uh you'll hear about that once we get to the, <laughs> the end but uh <laughs> we i just think man i got a kid on the way what am i doing i'm becoming just like my dad i'm worse mm. and i said i'd never do this i was angry through my childhood because he left me and my mom and or my mom and him split up right and I went to my cell and prayed. I said, God, if you exist, I need to know that you're here and that you can help me with this. Like, I just don't want this. Even if I have to stay in here, I don't want to live like this. I don't want to Mm -hmm. be involved in this stuff. So can you change me? Can you show me? Can you bring my family back together? I want to be a dad to my kid. I, I want to, I want to, can you give me a second chance? And I started attending Bible studies and had that said that prayer and and you know just started essentially a relationship with god and really just started hanging out with different people and i started getting ridiculed for it right away Mm. and they're like dude what are you doing and i said man dude this is where this has got me like why would i keep doing (laughs) the same thing
0: right it's not working
2: yeah that was the that was the i think the the pivotal moment for me was right then and there when I finally decided like I'm gonna give my life to Christ and mm-hmm. and I'm gonna let him change me, and obviously, I have to make the decision. I had to have the mindset to make the decision to reach out, sure, and decide that path um yeah, and endure the ridicule,
0: <laughs> so sure, right now, how much longer did you spend in prison then so jail
2: uh we were waiting to be found. Yeah. um I had gotten arrested in January uh time it went on February is when that happened I, I extended court so I gave my life to Christ right around there and then I stayed in there till about May 30th um I got sensed in April but in that time um I went back to court uh they offered me a deal so hmm. I told them well I need time to think about this and call my family my family starts talking to me answered my prayers
3: hmm.
2: my family starts oh. interacting with me I had lost my townhome, my cars, my cars were in the impound, like yeah. everything, I'd lost it. Because um, I just had, you know, um, while I was out on bond, I just had moved out of my uncle's house and got my own my own stuff. Yeah. And uh, lost it all, lost all the, you know, all the money, all everything was gone. Um, and they asked me, well, do you want us to bond you out again? Like, you're not sentenced yet? And I said, no, leave me in here. And they're like, what? I said, yeah, leave me in here. I'm get, I'm going to get my GD. Don't put money on my books now that you're talking to me again. Don't send me any money. They're asking me, do you want some money? And I'm like, no, mm-hmm. let me stay indigent. And they're like, what is wrong with you? Who are you? And they're like, my sister's like, where's my brother at? He cusses like a sailor, sailor every other day with the cuss word. And I said, God's changing me like this. He's real. He's real. And I came back to my jail cell that that day after four and I was screaming in the pod. God's really answered my prayers. My family's talking to me. Court's they going cut, good. They now. cut me like, a
0: deal. Yeah, or they Yeah, want to, and you are yeah. like,
2: "Oh my God, this guy's lost." It. <laughs> He's jailhouse like, religion. They start teasing me again.
0: Well, how and, much of that? Did, so I, I, I would guess in court you you brought that up, right? Or it's brought up as far as the changes you're making, right? And yes. as, but how much of that do you think they they look at? You know, the, does the system look at this guy and say, "Come on, man, we've heard this one before."
2: Yeah, exactly. They're like, "Well, we've heard that before, Mr. Aragon. That's great if you are doing it, but we we need more than this." Um, so they were still they were willing to give me a deal with the the district attorney, but the judge that you could just tell by the looks of their faces, like
0: they we we hear it. this all the time. Sure, you know? I mean it's understandable from their right. perspective. It,
2: <laughs> it's you know, used a would... lot as a crutch yeah. and as a cop out to try to cover stuff up.
0: Yeah, and it's it's easy to talk a big game you know let's right. be honest right so um they don't know you <laughs> no so okay so but these in reality were very real changes that were happening happening internally um yes. it sounds like you were getting friction or at least at a minimum questions serious questions and doubts from pretty much all angles um but but at least you're getting some communication and some support from your family and making some headway with the legal system um right so fast forward up and kind of walk us through you know from that point until your uh eventual release if you would
2: right so things start coming together they let my wife along my girlfriend come with me come to the jail visit me with my son it was just a video and things just continued to change finally they plea bargained it down i get sentenced they said okay we'll see if Probation will accept you and we're going to see if uh, if probation doesn't accept you, we'll see if the halfway house will accept you. So if I go through these screenings, got sentenced, but it was on condition, right? It was conditioned that I accepted the plea plea bargain agreement that I would have to go through these, um, you know, investigations. They would they would pretty much interview me to see if I was a candidate for either. Well, the, the probation screening failed. They accepted me for halfway house. I get sentenced to six years in the halfway house hmm. um, with a condition that I can't see my girlfriend or my kid wow. because she's a victim in the case, in the first case with the d- domestic.
0: Okay, got it.
2: And I said, well, how can you do this? And I didn't realize because they knocked off a ton of time from 25 to life. I got it down to two to six, and they gave me six. Um, so I was like, I'll take it. You know, I'm <laughs> sure. not doing 25 to life or for the RICO Act and, and kidnapping and all this stuff. So we got ourselves in a lot of trouble. I had seven felonies, um, so yeah. I was like, I'll sign whatever it is. I'll sign for six years. That's fine. Sure. And um, they they sent me there. I was doing well, got a job, but we didn't stop seeing each other. I took mm. pretty much penitentiary chances to see them. Because I felt like, well, man, God, this is unfair. I'm trying to do right now. I'm trying to follow you. And, you know, I got my GD while I was in there, graduated cap and gown. Um, nice. I did parenting classes. I mean, I did whatever offers that they had in that county mm-hmm. jail. And then, obviously, distance learning, Bible studies I had begun and uh, got out and continued to do the same thing, going to church. My mom started taking me to church. Uh, she had prayed for me for all those years. She had changed nice. her life around after a head-on head car collision when I was about um, 12. So she had prayed for me all them years, but I was running the wow. streets. Um, so kind of a, a, you know, I left that part out, but she had been yeah. praying for me for all them years. Yeah,
0: you never and, know what's going on in the, the backgrounds. You know, people yeah, and it's you. super crazy because
2: I think that was that was what impacted me, her love. I would persecute mm-hmm. her and call her names. and. Finally got sentenced and went to the halfway house, uh, doing well. But then um, there was a girl at the halfway house, very flirtatious. And for some reason, I don't know what she had it out for me, but I was like, no, I'm engaged. I had proposed to my girlfriend, Mm -hmm. which was the mother of my my son. Mm -hmm. And um, we had went through a series of events, and uh, she had waited for me and stuff. We were doing well, and they finally caught us together. And the girl was like, "I know that that girl that's picking you up is your ex, and you're not supposed to be around her because mm-hmm. I told her no." Uh, the gal right. at the halfway house, yeah. and I said, but, "I'm I'm engaged."
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. So, so she told she ratted you out. uh yep. As far as the visits with your now wife is what it yep. sounds like. Okay. Yep. Yeah, and I and I think you know, oftentimes that's how these things happen. Is like you you already mentioned multiple times people telling on you. Which yep. maybe in hindsight, in some cases, was a, a blessing, but uh, yep. <laughs> you know, oftentimes it's not that the the cops are nec- necessarily out there, you know, beating the bushes and no. knocking on every door or whatever. It's oftentimes a, an informant. But okay, so you get in trouble for visiting your your girlfriend at the time uh, sure. or fiance, and and you um, weren't allowed to. So then, what happened?
2: Back to court. The judge says, I told you I didn't want to see you. I would suspend four years if you completed too successfully in that program and you were out there nine months and you screwed up. So I'm going to sentence you to DOC, to the Department of Corrections for the six years.
3: Mm.
2: Wow. So prison. Um, And, you know, in there I continued to, um, I got moved around a lot, Uh, met a lot of people, but continued the Bible studies, continued, uh, they had more programs there. Um, And then I was starting to get physically fit because I was like, I'm not going to just sit around in here. Um, mm-hmm. And then they made you work in there for 30 cents a day or sometimes 60 cents a day if you worked a full day. Mm-hmm. So that's how you earned your keep uh, in prison if you didn't get money sent in. And uh, just took every program possible. I mean, I got custodial certificates, machine shop certificates. I earned four degrees in religious education while I was in there um and I got good time so I ended up only serving I think about 2 years 6 months okay um on that got out on parole they didn't want me seeing my wife um and I went back for 6 months again um because wow. I had got her pregnant with our second child our daughter and uh I have three children um and then I did that and got out Um, finally in 2011, you know, fast forward from 2009, I finally got out of prison. Um, this all originated in May of 2014. Um, or wait, not, or not 2014, 2006. Okay. Sorry. May 14th, 2006. Sorry. I'm getting the dates mixed up. And then finally, you know, went to jail January, May, now December. Now it's fast forward a year or two years. I get out and um, finally discharge in June, like 21st of 2011, completely off paper, scot-free. Um, was working for a guy that did roofing from church, was mentored by my pastor and uh, became an intern and just continued to grow and develop and get healthy. Um, I was working out in there, was running three miles every other day hitting the weights almost daily um, if we had yard, but it continued them habits of that structure from prison mm-hmm.
3: out yeah. to the streets.
0: And that just um, self-improvement in in every way possible. It sounds like, let me ask you real quickly. We don't want to spend too much time on this, but right. you Sorry. know, visiting. No, no, it's, it's all good. I mean, it's, it's fascinating, but this question about um, continuing to see your girlfriend, fiance. I guess how do you view that now in other words I mean I know you she's right. still with her but right. but I guess the question really boils down to you were clearly breaking the rules right and you know but maybe if she wasn't in your your life you wouldn't have done so well uh with the self improvement so how do you view that decision now um from a kind of I'm breaking the rules but I think this is the right thing to do. How do you view that now?
2: Well, you know, at the time I thought it was right. And I'm like, man, this is my family. This is my motivator. This is my mm-hmm. why I have a sure. kid. Now I have to live. Right. I don't want to yeah. do what my dad did to me. Um, yeah. By leaving me and, and not giving me an example or a father figure to look up to sure. or, or to care about me and, and yeah. give me my identity. Right. So I look at it at a couple of different things. I mean, after looking back and going through it all, the Bible says to obey the authorities, right? Sure. But then also it says that if the authorities tell you to disobey God, mm-hmm. or arch mm-hmm. we obey God rather than men. So it was definitely difficult. But I look back yeah. now, and had they not been in my life, like you, like you mentioned, yeah, I, I don't think I would have did as well. Um, sure, I did yeah. do it for myself, but there was that external. Ah, force it will motivated helping yeah. push me uh, to that next level of Understood. hey, I gotta do this.
0: Yeah, no, it's it's probably almost an unfair question because it's 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 impossible to answer. But um, <laughs> it, it's you know, and and you don't know how it would have turned out. But um, so okay, so you're clearly on an upward path as far as making progress from a personal development um, you know, spiritual development, physical development. And now also you you just happen to have some uh roofing professionals placed into your life, it sounds like. And so, hey, I'm gonna start learning this. Um, so kind of as we as we wrap start to wrap up here, not wrap up yet, but um walk us through kind of the roof, the progress as far as um roofing and small business. How did that all go?
2: well and and I had in prison, I had had a dream and a vision to eventually use the things that I was doing, whether it was machine shop or whatever. I just wanted to run a business, so I had wrote down a list in a journal, I was journaling in there, mm-hmm. um whether it be prayer, scripture, or just goals, and I said, "I want to learn this, 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 this," and I had this list, and I'd pray over it constantly, and I'd keep it before me daily and pray over it. And submit it to God and say, look, I want to learn all this. I want to be a good man. I want to have a good job when I get out. So that kind of. That that kind of. Sorry about that. Um, So I took that list and, you know, continued to work on it and improve. So when I met this guy. Um, I told him, I want eventually want to start a business, but I want to be in ministry. He's like, well, you need to work, you know, you need to supply for your family. Right. It was a good doc, a good guy at first, but then later on, uh, he had me, he taught me sales, taught me how to measure roofs, taught me how to knock doors and all this stuff to get business. Um, I started doing small repairs and stuff for him. Well, things went south pretty quick. Um, mm. my wife had told me, I don't, I said something bad about this guy. Mm. I don't know what it is. Hmm ended up ripping me off after i started doing really well in sales it was my first year i'd done some construction i've been around construction because my dad built houses but it was you know i was so little sure um the window replacements and stuff as my teenage years with a buddy of his but uh this was you know my start in in roofing industry and we did some tear off i got heat stroke learned real (laughs) quick that being up on the roof is not fun (laughs) The guy ripped me off and little did i know the same the same type of people were running the company hmm. and i lost a ton of money and had, had a third child at that time um and got out with that third child being born and i'm like so man you were, what were I, you were how,
0: how did you i mean were you a partner in this company or how did you
2: no i was just a sales guy at 1099 he had recruited yeah. me at church recruited yeah. a bunch of us church guys so how and... did he rip
0: you off so badly i mean just just commissions so that, that he owed you that he didn't pay you or something.
2: Yeah, that... we were working under the table kind of at first, just mm-hmm. kind of, you know, knocking doors for 20 hours a week, we'd get 200 bucks for that and then he'd have us do side jobs. So kind of subbing us work. Mm-hmm. Well, I didn't know how it worked. I was, you know, pretty much a sole proprietor at that time. Right. Well, then <laughs> you know, he was paying us consistently and then he's like, "Man, you're getting really good at sales. You should just be my sales partner." Mm. I'm like, great. Well, how does this work? And like, what do we got to do? And he's like, well, I'll get you folders and contracts and we'll get you a company truck. So it wasn't even his company. He was mm. like a, a field manager and a production manager for the company. Got but it. they they pretty much gave him what he needed to. To, sure. to I mean, he brought people on to help and all this stuff. Well, they gave me a truck for a little while and I'm knocking doors with him and his, you know, in his truck, driving around, doing really well, setting appointments. And while these first jobs, he's training me how to fill out the paperwork and fill out the contracts and do all this mm-hmm. stuff. Well, I had no record of me doing it. And I mm-hmm. didn't fill out a, a W nine. I didn't know how it worked. Sure. I was hustling all my life. So I'm like, sweet, yeah. if I can earn <laughs> this money under the table, we're good. Right. Um, so then, you know, there was no no history of it. The office sure. called me after, you know uh storm season rolls through, and we're we're just crushing it. I sold fifty-five roofs in like two months, mm. and um, they said, "Hey, we noticed, you know, you're working with Steve, but your your name is on some of these contracts now. We're starting to see these contracts with your signature on it, with your telephone number on it, mm. but you're not requesting payroll
0: compensation for it. Yep, yeah. And
2: I'm like, well, uh, how does this work?" sure she's like you need to come in and meet with the gm this is ridiculous he's getting draws towards your guys's jobs wow and my heart dropped yeah
0: so sorry to. that's so he uh he ripped you off approximately looking back how much money did he rip you off for approximately we
2: did the calculations it was almost about 16 grand. about 16 thousand dollars
0: which was at that point in your life. And I'm sure now too. I mean, it's it's Huge. a lot of money, right? Um, yeah. So, but okay. So fast forward from that point of getting ripped off up to today. I know that's a lot to cover. But, right. Um, False
2: ordinance. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we we split up as the sales team, worked for the, the just the owner of the company by myself under just me, figured mm-hmm. out how it worked. Well, we stopped getting paid, got ripped off by him for about 20. Um, wow. I pulled all my files, all my paperwork. There was a few gentlemen that were working for them, started their company, said, hey, come work for us. I said, dude, I don't know who to trust. I just got ripped off twice. So they gave me gas money, got me started, worked for them for a little while. Their partnership dissolved. And I said, to heck with this. I'm going to start my own company. I'd already had my um, company name incorporated and listed Mm. uh, in 2012 when I'd worked for that first company. uh, I I had... registered it because they were ha- they had to pay me under that company name because they were paying me under my name. And their account said, hey, he needs to have a business name because it's looking like he's an
3: employee. Mm-hmm.
2: So kind of covered them for taxes. Um, and I was a 1099. They didn't really tell me you know, what to do or where to go. I finally had my own vehicle. Well, the one gentleman offered me partnership. It was a short-lived partnership with that company. He overdrew the account, didn't have a license. I, d- I realized he didn't know what he was doing. I said, oh, that's why your partner's left you. So I said, if you don't get your crap together in this X amount of time, I'm moving on. Well, I passed an ICC, ICC test. I was a license holder. So I said, you know what? We had multiple meetings. He wasn't changing. Mm-hmm. He was doing drugs. I said, look, mm-hmm. you're a pastor's son. If you don't change, you know that you know what, what you need to do. But mm-hmm. um, I'm gonna have to leave. So I told our office manager, hey, I'm gonna pay you for another four weeks until you find something. Um, but we, I'm gonna. Have, we're gonna have to close down the doors. I'm leaving. I don't know what Joel's gonna do, but um, at this point, we're gonna have to uh, pay you to do the right thing. Um, but you're gonna have to find another place in employment. I'm sorry. Uh, this is just the partnership's not working out. Mm-hmm. So I started my own company, and we started off. I did all my own website, all my own everything. I built the whole the whole thing, obviously with God's help, but.
0: Did I did you do everything. The, your current website, or was it? Is it?
2: That... Uh, well, yeah. Up until this <laughs> point, we just hired somebody just recently. Yeah. But, just curious, because
0: um, I'm on there now, and it looks great. <laughs> yeah. So they finally fixed
2: a few things for me, and we changed the logo. Um, did a few gotcha. things that my wife, my wife came in and was like, you need to change stuff. <laughs> but yeah, from growing from you know, overdrawn account, uh, yeah. five thousand dollars in my pocket to start off on my own, I had to get deposits. People trusted me because of who I was prior to with the two companies. So I had Mm -hmm. history and a track record with customer service. Mm -hmm. And people would tell me, I don't even care who you work for. I don't care where you go. I just want you to do my roof Mm because I know you'll manage it properly.
3: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
2: And I was overseeing crews and all that, you know, through them companies. And a lot of my guys that I had recruited trying to be a company man at these two companies, they just followed me. So I already had my crews. You had some
0: good amount of experience managing and in sales as well um you had experience um you know managing people you had experience with customer service like you said you had experience with hands-on roofing uh the actual you know product that you're providing and so you don't need these these other guys no and i had an
2: expensive Um, training right they ripped me off so mm. Everybody's yeah. like, dude, you can do this on your own. So I just went yeah. forward and here I am nice. today. Uh, we've been independent. We were always like a subcontractor, sole proprietor all them years. So I say we've been in business, but not, you know, full throttle with an online presence and all that. We were always a subcontractor with the same business name for all them years. Okay. Um, but independently, we've, we've been around since 15, 2015 up until now. So, how's the?
0: What's been the, from a maybe from a financial standpoint, what's been the the highlight, or, you know, how well has your business done the last few years? Our greatest
2: year, um, we had back to back million, multi million dollar years uh, right before COVID hit, and, you know, we got up to two point five million dollars, and it was just me. It was a one man wrecking show.
0: Is that that's in uh, gross sales or
2: yeah? Okay, gross
0: sales. Yeah. And since Impressive. then, we've,
2: we've stayed consistent at a million dollars. Um, you know, we took a little bit of a hit when COVID originally hit hit because we tried to go retail instead of storm.
3: Mm.
2: Because we did a lot of storm. We did a lot of storm work mm-hmm. and that kind of bit us, but we've had to bounce back to that. Um, sure. in lieu of all this, I mean, we grew up poor. We were learning how to manage money, uh, we paid a yeah. $108,000 of debt off in, in this process of us starting our company and all this stuff bought our first home in 2019 and then purchased another home that we didn't think was way out of our league last year. Um, That's And awesome. it's just been a blessing, uh, you know, to to be able to have guest rooms and stuff like this now where when people come over, like my mother-in-law stays downstairs in the mother-in-law suite on the main level now. So uh, awesome. it, it's just super cool that we've been able to, old classes for people to financially to share with them, hey, it's not all going to come together right away. Um, mm-hmm. You're going to have to work at it. It's going to take daily, daily habits and daily discipline. And if you could do a few things each day to impact your business and impact your financial future, that's what you got to do. And if anything stands in your way, and if you're doing things that you're not aligning with your goals and that mindset that I had, um, I had to learn from trial and error because I didn't have you know, business background, I have really mentors to teach me. I mean, all my mistakes were my mentors and watching other people make mistakes. So that's what I used to build my business to what it is today. And, you know, we've had our ups and downs as well. Still, sure. um, it's just part of business dealing with people. Um, but we're still around a lot of companies from 2020 to now. Mm-hmm there was companies left and right shutting their doors. Our supplier sure. would call us like, hey, the market share is going to grow. I know that there's going to be somebody else that's going to start the company. But we just we just had to call 12 companies and ask them why they haven't paid their material bills. And they've mm. shut their doors.
0: Wow. That's, I mean, it's, it's a phenomenal story and I know it's not done yet, your story. Um, but just considering where you've come from, from so many different perspectives financially and, and um you know all the prison time and everything uh, it, it's it's amazing but i love that you're you also focus on the personal finance side i mean you're clearly viewing that as a, a a major blessing and um area that you've made a ton of progress in not just the business there's so many rabbit holes i'd i'd love to go down uh but <laughs> looking back and and I, we're going to get to a few questions here but looking back to what are you've already spoken to this somewhat but one or two just kind of lessons learned i know it's impossible to distill it down you probably have 20 lessons but for the listener out there you know looking back what's a one or two lessons that you've learned out of all this
2: i mean at the end of the day it's up to you to make the decision you can't give up just because you endure a little bit of hard times doesn't mean that it's the end of the it's the end of the road you're still alive you're still breathing that means you still have a purpose and there's still room for you to grow and learn and achieve so much more and to help other people. Um, one thing that motivated me to do that. And that's, I think that's my biggest takeaway is God didn't waste any of this. He used my adversity mm-hmm. to elevate me. Yeah. Like i think about an eagle, the winds cause them to soar above heights that none of us could even fathom to even think that we could get up to, right? I mean, sure. sometimes they're up there and I'm like, holy cow, that's almost touching the plane, you know, the plane's (laughs) flying by. I mean, the eagles get up there with the winds of adversity. So that, I think, pushed me. And there was times where, did I want to give up? Sure. But using everything in my life and watching people fail and watching people make mistakes instead of... Just ridiculing and focusing on them. And say, well, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do this different, and then making a plan from that, mm-hmm. and just using all them things, not giving up, and letting them wins take me. Like even yeah. now this year, we've had a, a little bit of a rough season here towards the end. Um, mm-hmm. But I know there's a purpose in it. Yeah, there's a purpose in in your pain. So th- those are those are a couple of things yeah, that, that I would that's, say.
0: That's huge. Um and it's it's not always easy to see it in the in the midst of the the storm, right no, um, but just to know that you will have more struggles, you will have more challenges, and that it like you said, they don't have to be uh wasted. they can be used for a greater purpose and used for your benefit and your family's benefit and those around you um I'm gonna fire through some questions then we can talk about uh kind of how you're helping people today um yeah. What's one thing that people misunderstand about you?
2: Oh, I'm easily misunderstood because I could <laughs> come across as insensitive. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I, I say things and it's because I care so much about yeah. people. Yeah. It like, you know, it's almost like a child. You see your child and you, you see the potential. You're like, well, what are you doing? You know, why are you doing that? You know, you have yeah. so much potential. Why are you wasting it? So that's, that's a the thing mm-hmm. where I think people misunderstand me is I come across very abrasive. Yeah. But if I can, I I can so relate. Much, that's
0: why I'm smiling. <laughs> 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 yeah, I get it. Um, what's, we've already talked about a good bit of this, but what's one of your biggest failures? Um, or how would you frame your, your, one of your biggest failures or setbacks in life?
2: Oh, well, I mean, there's a few that I can think about of just not getting sucked into the crowd, not being a people pleaser. Um, I wanted to be accepted as a kid because I was searching for purpose and identity. Yeah. But now as, as I'm running my business, one of the failures I had was just really not not having a full plan or my expectations of certain things that I was doing,
3: mm-hmm.
2: whether it was of myself or people I hired, uh, yeah. I kind of let go and got kind of complacent and I didn't keep my hand on the wheel, so to speak. So, I mean, just, the, the, those are the things that I've learned from of just like investing in stuff and just thinking, Oh, leaving it on autopilot and, you know, kind of got lazy with stuff. You know, we had multimillion dollar years back to back to back and I'm like, Oh, you know, we're <laughs> our reputation's growing, we're killing it. Sure. And then we took a sixty-three percent hit right away in that wow. first quarter. And it was like, Holy crap, year over year, that's sixty-three percent, that's huge. Yeah,
3: and that's massive.
2: Uh it hit me hard and it was a big failure for on my part because I started becoming reactive instead of proactive.
0: Got it. Within your business you're talking yep. about. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just I was trying to find the quote but I it, I'll, I'll summarize it but I just read uh something from a CEO the other day who basically he said that all businesses are uh you know if you if you peek under the the hood all businesses are essentially one big um cluster if you will. <laughs> and, and you know, they're all screwed up and some some despite of all the problems and challenges and chaos are still profitable and so you know for me because i have several different small businesses myself and you know it, it can i read it in a, it's it's comforting to me to know that look even the big businesses that you think are all buttoned up apple and all <laughs> you know they got they have issues right so yep. and it's probably pretty easy to find the issues and the people who work there know about the issues but you know there's a, there's a lot of chaos in in um small business and entrepreneurship so for the listener out there i mean it's you know it's not easy um and but if you know that this is okay and that you know you can still be profitable you can still get through it um i think that's a healthy way to look at things yes so um if you could have coffee with any historical figure who would it be
2: oh wow that's that's a tough one. There's a lot of people I'd like to pick their brain. Um,
0: Who comes to mind? Doesn't have to be your your favorite, but just one or two.
2: I mean, I have I have two. Obviously, if I could meet God face to face and have coffee with Jesus, that'd be great. Um yeah. he, he just knows everything, right? So, <laughs> but uh, one one business person and one book that's impacted me that I keep continuing to read uh, is Napoleon's Tales. Uh, Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich. I just think some of sure. them principles in there. Just yeah. people of that day um, didn't have the technology, like yeah. the stories in there of Edison and all that. I mean, just how they put that together and just the mindset of of all those things. I, I think I would really like to meet somebody like that that persevered even amidst struggles and tech and not having technology and like people that have built businesses. that were booming, I mean, or even Henry Ford, just the mindset. He wasn't the smartest person in the room, but he found them. Mm -hmm. And Uh, those those things are cool because a lot of the quotes have impacted my life.
0: Nice, it's awesome, I love it. Um, If you were given $10 million tomorrow, what would you do with it?
2: I would invest it um, and and diversify, uh, definitely. And obviously, I would give some away. To charities and those less fortunate people that grew up like I did, uh, that's been my biggest thing. Is I told my wife I really want to either join in in a charitable organization that helps mm-hmm. people um, that grew up like me, that they don't have to, you know, hopefully not go to prison or go through that sure. extent of what I went through, but help them if they're having struggles like I did getting them rehabilitated and giving them opportunity to learn a trade or, and, and giving them some business advice and just helping yeah. them with their financial coaching and stuff like that. Um, that's definitely what I would do with the money is is obviously invest it to make more money and sure. then be able to continue to give money away and, and, and help build Impact and reach people. more people. Yeah.
0: yeah. Awesome. Love it. Um, actually just your story reminds me really in, in a lot of ways of, the uh, episode 1 we had a uh, mark owens on the show and, and it's uh he's a baltimore real estate investor um he's sold off a lot of his portfolio but he his story actually was uh this is you know for the listener out there if you haven't heard episode 1 i would absolutely go back and listen to it his story legitimately was the impetus for me to start this this podcast and in a lot of ways wow. paul your your story is very similar uh, he didn't necessarily accept uh, God or religion per se, but um, lots of drugs and crime and, and through prison just entirely turned his life around and, and is impacting people in a very positive way. So um, very very similar in, in some ways. And so it's, a, it's awesome. a, yeah, um, just wanted to throw that in there. But um, so let's talk about how, as we wrap up here, how you are coaching people on the It sounds like on the personal finance side of things, um, maybe in, in business as well, but what does that look like for you?
2: Well, I mean, obviously we're involved at church. Uh, I was a men's pastor for a while, so my ministry was to men, um, just for men to lead at home. Because if you can't lead by example, more is caught than taught, I always, I always say, and we always say, oh, tell them all this stuff, you know. <laughs> but at the end of the day, if we could reach the men, then we reach the family. Um, and if, the, if we could get the husband and wife on board with couples coaching, with sure. you know teaching them how to budget, most fights in a marriage start with money. Usually adds a lot of strain to a marriage or a relationship. Yeah. And if we can help the men lead their families, love their wives, then their children are reached and generations are impacted. So yeah. we've started with our sphere of influence within the church. And then, as my business, you know, as I meet people, we've made a lot of friends through business, and I've used the business as a platform um, to offer that to people. And mostly, we've we've reached out to couples in our family because we wanted to break the cycle. Sure. And we've started with that, and have continued with that over the last couple of years um, of just reaching out and, like, like I said earlier, mentoring my wife's cousin, her husband starting a business, her niece, and her. Her niece's fiance and people that I know uh, that reached out to me. Uh, I'm ministering to guys from Texas that are running roofing companies. Oh, wow. And teaching That's them, awesome. you know, commercial roofing and, 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 you know, profit margins and making sure they're doing job costing and just the basics of business and find uh, personal finance and haven't given them a foundation, sure. um, whether it's through Zoom or yeah. through an in-person meeting um awesome. but that's pretty much what we're we're primarily yeah. focusing on now and hopefully it'll expand eventually but uh if we could just even if we could just reach the one you know that's sure. what we say it's just reach it. the one and man so many lives will be impacted because of that because you might reach somebody that's like a billy graham that reaches millions of people <laughs> uh, yeah. and it just trickles it, it it's ripple yeah. uh,
0: it absolutely ripples,
2: so.
0: no you're right you don't have to necessarily personally do all the work that you're trying to or you know immediately see the outcome that you're trying to see you you can you know uh train others to train others and it keep it it expands and expands i love the concept of taking ownership i mean i love the concept of you know obviously turning your your life around that's easier said than done but i mean your credibility in in doing this coaching and mentoring look you've you've kind of done it the wrong way (laughs) and now you're doing it the right way. And it's like, you're not just some, some, you know, pundit talking at people. Um, You can actually speak to what, what's worked for you and, and, you know, what hasn't. And I I just love also the fact that, you know, I think a lot of people hide behind the fact that, you know, money, people say money, doesn't buy happiness or, you know, and, and I, you know, we could save it for another day. The, the, uh, <laughs> uh the eye of the needle type uh, stuff, but, right. but, you know, the fact is money is all throughout the Bible and yes. it's extremely important, you know, and it, and it could be used in terrible ways and great ways. And I think it's very powerful and, it, and personal finance is, is hugely Important and unfortunately, a lot of people will, in my opinion, take the easy way out and right. and not deal with it. And you know, you're clearly taking ownership and then teaching others to do the same. So I love it. It's awesome. Anything you want to add to that?
2: Money's a tool. Um, money will make you more of what you are. I've heard it said by you know various uh, financial people like Dave Ramsey and other people. Uh, but money's a tool. Uh, it's used. It's used to help people uh, if it's used in its right way. But if you're doing things just for money, you're going to be left disappointed. If money is your why, you're in business for the wrong reasons.
3: Um, that's that's great. That's because, awesome.
2: you know, everybody listening is meant they, they were created to make an impact of some sort. Uh, you're You're meant to be a difference maker and you have a purpose. And I just want to encourage, you know, whoever's listening that, you know, if you use money for the right right reasons, um, and use it to help others, and obviously invest and make more, uh, I always think of the parable of the, of the the talents with you know stewardship, being a good mm-hmm. manager of what you have with your gifts sure. too, not just money, but your time and your gifts, your talents, your everything. Um, yeah. But yeah, you're you, there. Everybody's meant to make a difference, and if yeah, it, right, hey, it, they will definitely do that for you. And you can show you can.
0: Yeah, you'll you'll exactly, and you'll also oftentimes be given more to be a steward over if you can show that you can be a good steward over a small amount. Uh, yep. But yeah, so it's this is fantastic, Paul. We went long because selfishly, I just enjoyed the conversation. <laughs> well, yeah, sorry,
2: uh, I I love to share too because if I can impact one person with the story, I just all I love sharing.
0: So no, it's awesome. <laughs> um, I mean, it's it's a. It, you literally are the ideal uh, guest for the podcast I me mean, because this is exactly the intent is to show that you can turn your life around you will be going you will go through adversity that takes on a different form for everyone um but if you take ownership of your life and you're willing to put in daily hard work and you know kind of point to a positive north star if you will um and you absolutely can turn your your life around. You've, I mean, you've shown it. You've shown that it's possible. Um, so, thank you very much for your time. for the For the listener out there, how how can they reach out to you?
2: Um, you could reach me. Um, you know, for speaking engagements, I use a different email at paularagon5 at live dot com. But they can also reach me on my cell seven two zero four two nine nine two seven four Facebook. Uh, Facebook profile, Instagram profiles, search Paul Aragon, you'll find me. You'll you'll see my see my photo. And if you scroll through the pictures, I have a picture with Dave Ramsey and all that on there. I uh, got to meet him. Um, they've been a big influence in our lives. But yeah, that's how to reach us. If you need roofing services, Paul Aragon at gyros dot com. So thanks for having awesome. us, Jamie. I appreciate it. And Absolutely I'm very long winded. So I know hey, it's all that. good man. Appreciate you having um, us on
0: yeah. And for the listeners who's not uh, watching on YouTube, it's Aragon, A-R-A-G-O-N. Just wanted to spell yeah. that for people. So awesome. Yeah. Paul, this has been fantastic. I, I've really had to stop myself from going down different uh, rabbit holes because there are yeah, many, <laughs> many questions I wanted to ask. So maybe we'll have you back on if you'd be o- open to that in the future. Um, so, yeah. uh, and and thank you so much for just, you know, turning your adversity into uh abundance and 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 positive impact um in the world I think that uh that goes a long way so appreciate you doing that and it's <laughs> it, it's so much harder than you know we we gloss over a lot of things on the show a lot of the ups and downs and and um you know but thank you very much for your time and and what you're doing so we really appreciate it yeah
2: likewise thank you I appreciate you having having me here So it's a blessing.
0: Absolutely. And to the listener out there, thank you for spending your most valuable resource with us. And that is your time. Thanks, everyone. Take care.
1: Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of the From Adversity to Abundance podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. That helps others find the show and we greatly appreciate it. Thanks again for listening. And we'll catch you in the next episode.
0: Hey there, it's Jamie Bateman. Ever felt boxed in by life's challenges? Dive into my new book, From Adversity to Abundance, Inspiring Stories of Mental, Physical, and Financial Transformation, available now on Amazon. From a former bank robber's redemption to a young entrepreneur's victory over hurdles, these stories are not just inspiration. They're the roadmaps to your transformation. Whether for you or as a powerful gift to friends and family, especially those who might not tune into podcasts, this book is a beacon to a life of abundance. Ignite that inner fire and set your course to the life you've imagined. Purchase yours today on Amazon and light the path for someone you love.